Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Hankook Dynapro AT2 Extreme. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up, everybody? It's me, Jason McIntyre, straight fire for Thursday, June 10th. Ah, big, big night in basketball ahead. Slow night last night. I will say, there was more action in the pickup basketball game I played in Wednesday afternoon than there was in Suns Nuggets game two. What a bloodbath that was. Denver gets thumped by 25. The Suns have now won four straight games. The two Lakers and the two um, over the Nuggets, all by 13 or more points. Here's a stat for you. Chris Paul, in two games against Denver, 26 assists, one turnover. I mean, I wrote this for FoxSports.com that the backcourt, if you thought Dame and CJ had an advantage over Compazzo and Rivers, (laughs) like Chris Paul and Devin Booker is an upgrade from Dame and CJ. And it's just been an annihilation. This game wasn't even close in the second half. Um, it's a snoozer. I I think this could be a sweep. I, I had said uh, Suns in five, and maybe it goes five. I, I just I don't see any path to winning for the Nuggets. Frankly, I don't even care about the series or last night's game. I think you're going to love the interview we have for you today with Henry Abbott. He's a fascinating story. I'm sure a lot of you who know the NBA are aware of Henry Abbott. If you haven't heard of him, you're a football fan, whatever— 
he's an interesting character. This guy started a website that was bought by ESPN. He was there for 10 years. He left and on his way out the door, he said, hey, you guys aren't really going to use True Hoop, the website I created and sold to you. Can I have it back? And he got it back on the way out. Uh, really interesting stuff. Uh, we, we cover it all. Um, his testy re- uh, relationship with Bill Simmons. He wrote one of the more memorable pieces I've read in sports media in the last, oh, I don't know, six months, uh, let's say a year, um, uh, uh, about Bill Simmons. And the title of it is, Do I Get to Speak Now? It's been like 10 minutes. And he wrote it about Bill Simmons um, and his experiences with him at ESPN. It is a pretty ruthless takedown. We get into NBA owners. Um, You know, listen, Henry Abbott is an interesting guy, and we try to do that on this podcast. We don't just want former players. They're good. Former coaches, they're good. Uh, media guys, they're awesome. Um, fire starters, I love them all. But Abbott and I, and I've known the guy. I, I knew him at least back in when I had started a blog. And, you know, we had met at a blog event, and I, this guy's pretty sharp. And it's pretty clear he had some friends in high places. He's doing some interesting investigative stuff uh, on owners in the NBA. And, you know, when you ruffle feathers of billionaires— there can be blowback. Um, so uh, I, I think you're going to like the interview. It, it's a little longer than normal, um, but he's an interesting character. And there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. And and, and I just want you guys to listen to um, an entrepreneurial angle to sports because, uh, you know, I, I, got, I went to college and I came out thinking, all right, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to study like journalism. And when I come out, ultimately my dream job, and I swear I said this was, I want to cover the Lakers, right? And I want to um, have Lakers season tickets also. I, I had no idea. I thought like I, you could be a baller being like a journalist. And uh, obviously I was absolutely clueless. And I've, I've told this story many times. I, when I met my current wife, um, not current, when I met my wife, um, I was at a newspaper and I was making, I think like 22,000 a year, maybe 23. And I quickly realized like, whoa, (laughs) yeah, this is not going to cut it. And um, I decided to kind of branch out on my own. And I mean, I was able to get a, a higher paying job in a magazine in New York City. And while doing that, that's when I created the website and yada, yada, yada. 15 years later, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, And, you know, the path that Henry took is also interesting. Um, And I just want you guys to listen to it because this is one of these opportunities now in 2021 where we're coming out of a crazy pandemic. There's a lot of opportunities for growth and trying new things. Um, I would just say, like, uh, you know, listen to how he framed it. and, you know, I, obviously my story has been told plenty, but I also spoke to uh, yesterday on the phone um, one of the guys that I went in on this soccer team with. And I, I, don't, I haven't really talked about it on the podcast, but I put it on my Instagram and you guys, uh, you know, it's on my Twitter feed or whatever I put on Facebook. But yeah, uh, we invested in a soccer team in Mexico, in uh, La Liga. And the, the relationship that I built with the guy who ultimately was the driving force behind it all um, was over several years. And I, I don't want to go too much into it, but he, 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 you know, he told me about his story of how he met the partner um, who is the big money guy, uh, one of the big money guys behind uh, us investing in the soccer team. And 
almost all the stories, and you know, uh, if you go to Harvard Business School, not that I did, but you can read plenty out of Harvard Business School about the best way to start a business is when you're already working, you've learned what you want to do from certain people, then you start the business, but you don't leave instantly because it's a super risk if you leave instantly and you know start the business. I, I mean, you got nothing. The smart move is to get all your ducks in a row, line it up, get it underway, then tell your employer, oh yeah, I'm doing this, I'm out. That's kind of what I did with the big lead. Um, I was working at Us Weekly magazine. I was doing it on the side anonymously. And when the site had been around for, I don't know, a year, built up traffic, I knew I could had something cooking, that's when I left. It would have been idiotic of me to quit my job to try the website. Um, you know, that's super high risk, uh, a little too rich for my blood. But at any rate, I think you're going to like this talk um, with Henry Abbott. Enjoy it. Henry Abbott of True Who. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Ready, set, griddle this grilling season. Get the Weber Slate Rust Resistant Griddle with a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. With no use of coatings, you can use metal tools to flip, press, and scrape without worry. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. Everything rusts and nobody talks about it because they couldn't fix it until now. With Weber's new rust-resistant technology, your Weber will last for years. When used, our carbon steel griddle hardens and bonds the surface reducing the ability for moisture to collect and rust to form. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge. It reaches up to 500 degrees. With the Weber Works Prep Cook and Store System, you can keep cooking and cleaning supplies handy, carry food and condiments from kitchen to the griddle, and even convert the side table into a prep station. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. 
I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire a big-time NBA guy. He's been an NBA digital guy for 15 years, maybe 20. Uh, He was at ESPN. He started True Hoop. And I like to brag that, oh, I sold my website, you know, like... I'm one of the few guys who did. He beat me to the punch, selling True Hoop to ESPN. Henry Abbott. Henry, how are you, man? Great. How are you doing, Jason? I, I'm excellent. You know, the NBA playoffs are fun. But, uh, you know, we interview a lot of NBA voices, whether it's former players, former coaches, uh, writers. But you are unique because you actually started like an NBA destination back on Internet 1.0. And, you know, the millennials are going to be like, what the hell's Internet 1.0? You know, I was in elementary school, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I just want to start here. You started True Hoop, and how did it kind of blossom and get scooped up by ESPN? It was it was on a weird ride from, like, day one. I don't. Part, part of the answer is magic. Um, I did do a little bit of studying. I read all the books. Like, at that time, it was like the Clue Train Manifesto. I don't know if you ever read that one. I um, do not. Uh, Rebecca Blood's um, Internet Handbook. There were all these books on kind of like what works on the Internet. And I was working, uh, writing for magazines and other web stuff. And I realized that this little free blog I had was just more vibrant, more action, more feedback, more going on. It just seemed like the way the world was headed. So I kind of learned about it. And then I just decided to jump in with both feet, um, which was crazy because we had a baby and all this stuff. But uh, and then I started it. and I'm not even kidding, like within six weeks, within a day, I was hearing from like NBA GMs and stuff. Within a wow. month, I, I won an award from Forbes. And like the guy who called me, I'm like, are you sure it's only exists for like a month? He's like, no, 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 you're going to get this best of the web award. And, and then within, I don't know, six months, like literally the caller ID said Google. And I'm like, this is probably one of those like things where they try to sell you a service to increase your Google <laughs> rank, you know? But it was really Google. And they were like, hey, can you come in? Like we're confused about how your traffic's growing so fast. And I'm like, you're confused. Like, how am I supposed wow. To? Did you tell them I read books about how to do this? Um, no, wait, I, I want to back up a little. When you yeah. started the site, it was just you or you and like a group of friends. I convinced my buddy to give me some money. And, um, and, and with that, we hired like a nice designer and um, that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, it's pretty much just me. I was always seeking other people to contribute and often did. There were a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of great people contributed to troop through the years, but, um, but that's how it started. So this buddy you asked for money, I'm assuming he got equity in True Hoop. Yeah. So basically nice. when eventually ESPN wanted to buy it, I went to my buddy and I was like, how much money do you want? And he was like, I don't want to sell it. I'm like, could you? <laughs> you know, like, like, it'd be good if you yeah. did. And so he kindly he kindly did like name a number. He's a little salty about it to this day. But, he, but he, well, he let me problem. guess. He, he thought he could have got more. You know what? He's a very nice guy. We're very good friends. And he just wanted to work together. He wanted to just keep doing it. He wanted to be not part of a big corporation. You know, he wanted to be independent pirates fighting the world. Yeah. But eventually, you know, the guy who's grinding away, you, you're like, Hey man, it would be nice to cash out a little bit here. Right. It's not the worst thing, you know? Yeah, certainly not. Um, all right. So you start true hoop. It pops, you go to ESPN, you're crushing it. Um, 
and and I think at that point is when the super teams kind of started, right? Like two thousand, uh, LeBron, uh, mm-hmm. you know, going to the Heat, uh, Kevin Garnett. That's about like the sweet spot, right? Yeah, it was really the decision was really the day that the NBA changed in that way. So that was two thousand, right? Um, is that right? Two thousand, sorry, two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Yeah, I got to ESPN two thousand seven. Um, so yeah, a few years in, and I remember being just blown away that night, the night of the decision. I was up late. And I'm seeing all the comments. Comments were a pretty new thing on ESPN to comment that time. And yeah. in the comments, it was shocking. That was the first place I saw this like angry, sort of violent part of America that now is like, you know, on CNN every day, right? But like, <laughs> like it was something that was for me, it sort of came alive that night. I was like, wow, these this isn't just like, hey, I'm bummed about my team losing a good player. This is something else. Yeah, it's weird because... You know, all it was is, hey, LeBron was drafted by Cleveland. He gave them, what, seven, eight years of his life. And he decided, I think I'm going to move on. I'm just curious, when you were remembering those comments, it was more than just Cleveland fans, right? It was basketball fans everywhere. Actually, someone ended up coming up with, like, some data with, like, a map of where people hated LeBron most that summer. And it was all the markets that wanted him, right? It was... Like New York thought they were going to get him. And so yeah. they hated him in New York and Chicago thought they were going to get him. So they hated him in Chicago and Cleveland and LA. Um, yeah. It, it, sports fans are, you know, the reason you and I have jobs and they're wonderful, <laughs> but they're also like incredibly selfish, right? Like, like they're not going to worry about how the system should work or what's fair. They're going to worry about like, did I win today? And that's the end of the analysis, right? Yeah. And they lost in New York. I have a bunch of friends in New York. Like, uh, <laughs> so, one of the most sort of hateful things that came out of it was a book by Scott Robb called The Whore of Akron. And, oh, uh, that guy's crazy, right? Yeah, he's crazy. I mean, he's brilliant, and, and but he is. Well, he was what? Like, was he an Esquire writer or something? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And he's kind of a buddy, but like, but I, I wanted oh, to interview him. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I totally agree. He's crazy. And the project I'm talking about was where he and I argued almost to the point of violence on camera. But um, but I needed a place to record it. And uh, a friend of mine owns like a very swanky bar in Brooklyn. And um, and I was like, hey, is there any chance like while it's closed during the day, we could use this beautiful swanky bar to shoot this thing? And he was kind of like, eh. and he's like, what's it for? And I'm like, basically, it's to interview this guy who wrote the book about LeBron. He's like, oh, fuck yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, the whole place is available to you. Oh, <laughs> fuck <God>. LeBron. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm wondering, like, and again, this is a loaded question, but Henry, like, you know, LeBron's out of the playoffs. He's probably still like the second or third most talked about player in the in sports right now. Maybe the NBA. Um, do you still think a lot of these people, when they do the whole Jordan-LeBron thing, do you think they still go back to the decision and that's the reason he'll never be better than Jordan or the best player in the league? I mean, it did a lot. Uh, he, I mean, it's sort of sad to think of all this as so calculating probably for most sports fans. I kind of enjoy it, but... You know, his his move to Miami didn't affect his standing whatsoever with black fans, right? It was white people who were upset. Hmm. Right? We could unpack that for a week if you want. I'm happy to. But um, but in the meantime, like going back to Cleveland was specifically a strategy to heal that, right? It was kind of like, you know, it's like, it's like going back to your first wife after you leave her for the hot young one or whatever, right? Yes. Like, like the idea was that it kind of would patch things up with like these people who felt like he'd upset the order of things or whatever. And um, I think it kind of worked, you know, that, that I think it freed him to be considered as like an okay guy. And then he won that amazing championship with a pretty bad roster. And mm-hmm. um, so I think that he kind of fixed a lot of that. 
Um, I think there are a hundred reasons people um, just have it in for LeBron. Mostly he's just bigger, strong. He, not now. <laughs> Most of his career, he's right, right, just right. Yeah. very hard to sympathize with. He's never the underdog. He's bigger, stronger, faster, and, you know, it just crushes everybody. And it's not that fun to root for Goliath. Yeah. How much of this uh, do you think has to do with uh, journalists who grew up in the 90s? You know, they were teenagers, maybe had got been in, gotten in college and they were uh, Jordan was the biggest thing ever. And, you know, we know with movies and music that you really love what you saw when you were, uh, you know, one of these impressionable teenagers and that sticks with you forever. This whole Jordan LeBron thing. I feel like a lot of people are just clinging to the memory of LeBron from the 90s when they were young. And that's why nobody will ever pass Jordan. When, Henry, you're a big numbers guy. You know all the data points to LeBron being the greatest player ever. Yeah, you just, I mean, there's so many ways to make this argument. One of them is like, who did Michael Jordan ever face who was like 100 pounds heavier and just as fast and way taller? <laughs> like, it's a fucking problem. There's a reason LeBron keeps winning championships, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I, I, you know, and it was a different time in the sense that, like, my friend Jack McCallum, who lives not so far from here, yeah. you know, went to interview Michael Jordan early in his career. And there was a little child there who appeared to be Michael Jordan's son. And mm. this wasn't the story. This wasn't known. And so Jack had this kind of crisis of, like, what do I do about this? Right. And the point is, like, Michael Jordan's life was, was lived in secret because a very short list of people, um, got to decide what was public, right? Yeah. Some Nike execs, some TV execs, and that's it. LeBron grew up where, you know, if he was rude to someone in a restaurant, the whole world would know that night, right? And yeah. I, if Michael Jordan had had the kind of scrutiny that LeBron did, like, oh my God, like he was, yeah. you know, he's he's really good at basketball, but he's an asshole. <laughs> like he's like a big old, time old asshole's asshole. And like, you know, make incredible comments about your wife, you know, this kind of stuff, right? Um, And I think that that, you know, he just, I think there's people from a TV era who like to have their heroes like through a little bit of gauze, not see too much reality about them. And that's not where we live anymore. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Everybody, Oh, he, he swept the Pistons. You know, <laughs> let's not forget what the Pistons did to him the three years prior. Anyway, we've done enough Jordan uh, LeBron. We could do an hour on that. Uh, I am curious. Let's spin it forward to, um, you know, these playoffs. And it's I, I, again, the, the super team era is, is really taking over. I think it's been good for the league, but I don't, and I thought the Nets would get pushed, and they're up two zero on the Bucks, and they stomped them badly in Game Two. It does seem like they're going to probably win the championship. I don't know, Henry. Do you think this super team stuff is good for the league? Because you know, essentially, wherever Kevin Durant has gone the last five years, they've absolutely eviscerated everyone. Um, you you remove obviously the title the Raptors won when he got injured. Um, I think you're with me and that the Warriors win that if KD's healthy. And then of course he was out last year. But I don't know super teams. Where are you on that? Well, I guess I can see the downside of it. Right? I, it seems a little crazy. Um, it seems a little like probably there's a better way to assemble a championship team than like you know the best players in the world just being like, hey, do you want to come? Do you want to do this? Um, feels a little. <laughs> Um, a little haphazard, I guess. On the other hand, like it is evidently better than whatever crap they were doing before, right? Like, yes. like you know, and and we we tend to just like leave in the back room whatever happened. However, like the Mavericks were run in two thousand five, or or the Knicks, my whole life, whatever. Like <laughs> it, these teams are very poorly run, right? And and they're particularly badly run in the manner of like earning the trust of 
the best players, right? Like nobody, nobody else to play for James Dolan. He's earned that, right? Like it's like, he's a terrible person to work for. And so if this solves that, right, if, it's, if you're saying like, Hey, I'm Kyrie Irving, I'm going to trust Kevin Durant more than I trust any billionaire. Like, well, you know, it's on the billionaire earn that back. And I don't like their chances, right? I don't think they're going to, I don't think, I don't yeah. think the bus family is going to outperform Kyrie Irving. Right. Like I just don't think that's how it goes. You know? Yeah. And, and it's funny you say that because people want to get on Kevin Durant's case for leaving OKC. You know, he was in OKC. He was there when the GM traded James Harden, yeah. who would become a future MVP. Like, why should Durant let some GM determine his legacy and what he ends up doing in his career? I'm all for these guys leaving. You know, Bradley Beal wants to pull a stunt this summer and say, hey, I want to be in L.A. I'm not signing with anywhere. Uh, don't trade for me. I want to be in the Lakers. He could. I feel like it's in his within his right to do that. Do you, do you agree? I mean, I don't see what the big crisis is. Like I, you know, top employees in all fields might want to. You, you might want to move because you have a sick kid, or you like this school system better, or whatever it is. Like, um, you know, and I guess there are these competitive balance arguments, but I don't totally buy it because, you know, there is a salary cap, and it's a pretty hard one now with the repeater tax and stuff. So you know, once you have your two or three, you know, the Lakers right now are paying LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and they will not pay anyone else a big salary. Like that's like the math. So are they really going to get like three other all-stars? Like, no, they aren't. They'll have a little advantage getting a Montrez here or whatever. Like, but, uh, but you know, I think the cap is going to address the competitive bouncing well enough. And frankly, we already have a playoffs where like, I guess the big crisis is we have too many small market teams. They're saying that, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I'm with you. The the equality of opportunity is there in the NBA, right? Uh, you know, the the worst teams draft first. They have the best shot at getting Zion and Luca, and then building around them. But equality of outcome is that's just never going to happen. It's just not going to happen in the NBA. Now, you wrote an important piece uh, on True Hoop about the NBA's most important source of cash, looking at the billionaires, which oh, I God. thought was fascinating. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming you heard from some billionaires after this. Oh, everybody's mad about this one. Isn't it? I, I did. I, why? Um, pretty early in this series, I heard from a guy who was like, "Like this thing that you're looking into is the biggest crime in American history, and it's about Jeffrey Epstein and his large group of accomplices. And the way most people are covering it, they're not explaining what the crime was. So, of course, alarm bells go off in my head. I'm like, well, what is the crime, right? And and uh, I, you know, it starts with Apollo Global. A firm with very deep ties to the NBA. Adam Silver's college roommate is the president. Um, the billionaires who own the Hawks, the 76ers, got their money from Apollo. Lots of other yes. NBA billionaires have ties to this group. Um, it's a little confusing exactly what happened here, but I'll say this. On the board right now is the former executive director of the CIA. And there's like intelligence agency connection stuff like all through this thing. And I'm learning a lot and a little bit a little bit scary and uh i'm a sports writer who's exploring a new area and it's mind-blowing every day <laughs> yeah is that the kind of thing where it's, you get some information and you're like well damn if i put this out there do i put a target on my back or my family's back like i, I don't know i mean is it, is it to what to the point of that well i have had conversations about personal safety around this the people who know a lot about it i feel like it's pretty safe but at the same time like i'm definitely aware that the reason other journalists whether business journalists or sports journalists don't poke around is because they're worried about their safety like that's for right. real like people are just you know well, they're worried about two things right number one 
I think we're a little bit wired that if someone's a billionaire, it's good to just make them your friend because they might give you money, right? Yeah. So like a lot of people- Money, are, access, protection, you know, whatever yeah. you need. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And some of these people I'm talking about, like, you know, remember Blackwater was in the news? Is this like, yes. you know, like Apollo Global owns Blackwater. Yeah. Like, you know, they have a private army. That's something to keep, keep your eye on. You know what I mean? I would, I would agree with that. Um, <laughs> but, but so have you gotten any calls from like block numbers? Hey, Henry, stop poking around. Any, anything that sketchy? Uh, or text messages yeah. from numbers that you don't recognize? No, it hasn't been quite as like movie scene like as that, but there's mm -hmm. definitely been, you know, so like if you think about my job and my sphere of influence and my network and who calls my phone, like practically everybody I know in the NBA works for a billionaire, right? That's the game. That's what this sport is, including Adam Silver works for billionaires, right? Yes. And um, so I get what I get is a lot of people who know all these people personally saying like, have you really thought through your end game here? You know, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, it's weird because, uh, listen, nobody does this covering the NFL. There, there, nobody's, look, nobody's looking into this stuff. And that's, I mean, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I certainly wouldn't. I would read it. I would be, ooh, spicy. But I, I definitely would not be writing that story. I do want to follow up. You know, the pandemic really, really hurt a lot of these NBA owners. Um, uh the Rockets owner who has said, oh, oh, we're fine, no problem, you know. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, major fire sale. They look like they're in a massive rebuild. And you could argue it's because of Maury left and Harden demanded out. But it seems like financially the Rockets, I mean, I think the Miami Heat, I'm very curious what happens this offseason, uh, given he, um, Mickey Arison's fortunes are tied to uh, cruise lines. Um I don't know. Do you? Th what do you think the fallout will be from pandemic for these billionaire owners? And I know there's no crocodile tears for these guys. I'm just trying to think of when it comes to the salary cap and paying the luxury tax and all that. Well, nobody's. A lot of people are cash poor. Nobody's poor poor. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so you know, do you have to sell a cruise ship or you know, Tillman Fertitta owns all sorts of stuff um, that he could sell. He just doesn't want to sell it. Um, so I think there's a sort of like a. a there, different forces coming into play where the NBA teams have gotten so valuable. So you got to come up with 2 billion, 2.2 in the case of Tillman Fertitta, that very few people are on the list of people who can purchase them. Right. Uh, and they don't want multiple owners, right? The, the bucks have two equal owners and it's been a big mess. Um, the NBA wants to avoid that. Uh, they don't want this kind of infighting. So that leaves very few people who can afford it. And then, you know, What's happening now is private equity is getting figuring out avenues to like join the party, right? So they can yep. like get checks from people who aren't the the main owner. Um, this is a very tricky thing, right? This feels like a little bit how inflation happens, right? Where yeah, like they definitely want the prices to be mega high and no one can really afford it. Like that sounds to me like a formula where it's not going to stay high forever. And then What's your Mickey, what, how does Mickey Harrison feel once he doesn't feel comfortable he can resell his team at the at a high, very high price, right? Like, yeah. Now, I mean, what's your read on the the Minnesota situation? This um, Alex Rodriguez and the chirp rumors about Seattle. Uh, wh wh how wh how do how are we supposed to interpret that? I mean, the the my best way to analyze everything in the NBA is whatever makes the most short term money is likely. <laughs> Right. Like um, there isn't a lot of like standing on ceremony or treating people right. Right. They're just kind of like, you know, for a while there was talk about London, Mexico City, oh, um, et cetera. Right. Like like if there's a giant check in it, like it's there's 
there's not going to be someone laying in the tracks in front of it. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I Seattle's been like an object lesson, right? They, that was, those were the taxpayers who didn't want to pay for the stadium for the NBA. So the NBA had to punish them. Right. And, um, like that, I think <laughs> pay for our stadium. We're billionaires. Yeah. But they, pay for our stadium anyway. They paid for NFL, um, and soccer stadiums and the NBA was like, okay, we're next. And the taxpayers didn't approve it. And so they're just like, let's, they didn't want, they didn't want other cities getting ideas. Right. So they want every city to think they have to come with like the whole for a while. I haven't looked up in a while, but, uh, the number one source of revenue into the league was taxpayer subsidies of stadiums. Like that amount it of money feel, was more that doesn't feel right, Henry. The TV contract, right? So it's yeah. changed a little bit. Stadiums, like more stadiums, are privately funded now. Um, you know, it's not quite what the boondoggle it used to be, but but yeah. So it, you know, maybe they've been punished long enough. I guess that you can have a team there now. It definitely is more revenue than Minnesota, right? It's a big wealthy city. Yeah, and Minnesota's been very bad. It's it's just a tough free agent sell come to Minnesota, deal with six months of winter or longer, uh, maybe eight yeah. months of winter. Um, so, I, 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 again, I, don't, I, I was trying to guess, you know, and, and you hear stuff. I, don't, I clearly don't hear the stuff you're hearing, uh, having covered the league hardcore for like 15 years. I do want to go back to covering the league. So, True Hoop is bought by ESPN. You go to ESPN and, you know, yeah. how long were you there? Like 10 years, 15? 10 years. 10 years, 10 years. on the, to the minute, yeah. Um. And I don't know how much you want to talk about uh, leaving, but you wrote, I think it was last year, might have been this year, um, probably the piece that I've gotten sent to me more than any other piece in sports journalism this year. The title is, Do I Get to Speak Now? It's been like 10 minutes. Um, And again, I I don't know how much you want to talk about it. Um, I highly suggest everyone listening to go read it. It's kind of mind-blowing. First of all, did you have fear of backlash before posting it? Like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to work in sports media again? Oh, I mean, if that's going to cost me my career, then I don't want that career, right? Like, what no. a stupid industry it would be. <laughs> if, if what a very thoughtful to, way to attack it. I kiss the ring of Bill Simmons. Like, Bill's fine, right? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe he's really mad at me because I wrote that piece. Um, he's not the devil. But, um, but there was... A thing that frustrates me is a lot of talk without a lot of evidence. And like, you know, that I wrote that in a week where like Bill Simmons was being defined. He was trending nationally. And the two positions were a, he's like a terrible racist or B he's the most wonderful human in the history of the planet. (laughs) Like, I'm like, have any of you fucking met that guy? Like he's neither (laughs) of those things. Like this is all incorrect. So I just kind of wanted to put down like, Trust me, it's far from my collection of like, these are the worst things I could say about Bill. This was kind of like a summary of like my experience of working with him for a decade. And, um, you know, I think he's a super talented, this is a common MBA thing, right? Super talented guy, difficult teammate, right? Like difficult teammate, hard to get along with, um, not really interested in the team's success, right? And uh, and pretty skilled at getting what he wants, right? And mm-hmm. um, it's not, that's, that's not a crime, but that's just- It's definitely, yeah, no. That's what it is, right? That's what he was doing. It wasn't the case that he was just like, you know, some sort of all or nothing hero or villain. He's just like, he's kind of selfish. I'm curious, did you, I'm, I'm assuming the answer is no. Did you hear from him after writing it? No, I haven't heard anything. I thought for sure I would. I thought that somebody would put us on the phone together or whatever, but um, no, nothing at all. I, I'm surprised when people come after me, and again, I'm not a, near the level of Simmons. I mean, shit, shucks, he sold 
some web, the, the ringer to Spotify for like 20 million bucks or what, I don't know, hundred million, oh, no, whatever like the number hundred million. Right. Uh, a lot of money. Um, but like if someone comes after me, I'm like, Oh, okay. Well maybe I should have them on my podcast. You know, Kendrick Perkins attacked me last week. Again, Kendrick Perkins, you know, not, not a big deal. And I said, Kendrick, you know, I texted him, come on my podcast. No response. Yeah. Damon Jones, uh, former teammate of Perk, a, a staunch defender of Ty Lue. Damon, hey, come on my podcast. He came on. We discussed it like, yeah. like men. That's kind of what we do, right? As men, don't we like? I'm not saying let's talk everything out, but I'm I'm surprised Simmons didn't reach out to you about it. I mean, hey, you know, you you said he was going through a lot of stuff. I have I know him a little bit. I haven't talked to him in I don't know, probably ten years. Um, but I, I thought the piece was just eye opening uh, into the sports media. What's the word? Deadspin used to use a word called the maw. I think. <laughs> Like just, it's just like this big machine and, you know, every Henry Abbott jumps on and you're on the conveyor belt and the guy at the top of the totem was Bill Simmons for a while. Of course, he's, he's kind of gone now um, and has his own thing. But I don't know, do you, was your experience bad enough that you wouldn't work for like a large corporation again? Or do you kind of like being your own boss and working at your own pace? Um, I feel, look, no, the dream for me and I think everybody I know in this business is to have a boss you really respect right? Like you want a boss who makes your work better. And if you can get that, it's the greatest thing in the world. And if you can't be your own boss, right? Like I think that we've had bad leadership in this industry. Like there's just been a lot of stupid stuff. I mean, mostly it comes from, uh, okay, here's a little media theory time, but like, I feel like going from, you know, previous journalism career in radio and magazines and stuff to blogs, you have to be super humble and just learn. How does this work? And then you go to digital video. How does this work? And you go to social media. How does this work? Like you have to start at zero and relearn a new set of skills for every different thing, right? Media leadership by and large with the big dollars has mostly come from people who proved it in like magazines or TV who have, they know everything they're ever going to need to know. And they don't really feel like getting humble about <laughs> how to learn about TikTok, right? Right. So like, I think there are these like very wealthy, successful people who produced an ESPN studio show or whatever it is. Right. And they just get bad results in digital. Digital is yeah. a place for like real hustlers and you work hard and you figure it out and you suck at first, and then you get better. And um, so I kind of feel like that's the game we're in you and me. Right. And uh, it's, it, it just beats you up all the time, but you can learn some stuff. And uh, I'm super proud, you know, in my latter years of ESPN, I ran this team and kind of like tested some theories of mine about what makes big audience. And we just slaughtered every traffic record they had. Like, um, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to show the numbers, but like, you know, just millions and millions and millions of people and huge revenues for like a very small team that was just doing stuff with a little bit of a different approach, a little bit of a different set of criteria. And that's just something I learned from, from looking at how digital media works and like you could never have learned it from magazines or tv and i think this is where just the name of the game is being humble if you can get a boss like that then i would love to work for a giant company with that boss and i don't know that name of that boss right now <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny because they were the gatekeepers right uh at tv and radio and newspapers and magazines they were the gatekeepers for years decades yeah and then this internet thing comes along disrupts everything and they think it's a seamless transition. Oh, well, I worked at this newspaper. I can clearly work at this uh, website. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, Henry, people don't understand. It doesn't work like that. The transition is very, very stark. Um, 
and you know when disrupting those gatekeepers has rattled a lot of people and uh, you know these guys who were the gatekeepers they think oh i i can just hire this guy with 500,000 twitter followers and that's automatically going to mean traffic and Henry, I, I I mean, I know you've seen numbers. Like, that's not how it works. Just not. not all 500,000 Twitter follower people are equal. Some people actually drive traffic. Others yeah. absolutely unequivocally do not. Uh, Henry, how do... I, I don't even really know what to say because I know a lot of media people listen to this and they're going to be like, oh, Jason, you got all the answers. I don't. I'm like you. I'm trying to learn. Since I got to FS1, what, 2016... I've just tried to be a sponge around what what the hell to do on television and how to sound and act and look right. and um, you know meeting people and talking to them and same thing with a podcast like you're just trying all these different pairs of shoes on and what fits then it, then right. it rolls but I don't know Henry do you think uh, the internet I don't know a lot of people say like 1995 was what AOL and then the internet what what are we using as a starting date two thousand the crash maybe. Oh, I didn't really know anything about it till like 2003 or four. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I, I was not, I, when I was graduating from college in 95, um, I, one of my fellow students gave a presentation about how cool it was to email. I remember just thinking like, this is never going to catch on. This is yeah. so dorky. You know? <laughs> That's wild. Um, okay. So fine. We're going to, let's just give it fifth. The internet's about 15, 16 years old uh, yeah. and sports me. Uh, sorry. Social media really what? 10, you want to say 10, 11 years old. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love this analogy. Like I, I, I'm bullish on soccer. You know, I bought a soccer team with some guys and everybody's like, Oh, I've been hearing soccer is going to catch on forever. And MLS has been around forever. And I'm like, guys, the NFL has been around a hundred years. The NBA, Close to 100. Major League Baseball, over 100. MLS, like 25 years. Like the idea that the MLS is going to catch up in that short of time is crazy. The MLS still has a long way to go. I think we're kind of just getting started, Henry, in in sports media online. And, you know, as you said, you mentioned TikTok. That's like the, I don't know, eighth TikTok reference in the history of this podcast. Um, (laughs) Sadly, there's a lot of people who are on TikTok all the time and their algorithm crushes. I, I, I don't know how how difficult is it to continually adapt in sports media. I mean, it's very difficult. Most people just don't, right? Most people, yeah. if you succeed in one thing, that's just the thing you do, and then you're done. Um, I just look at you know, I, I have teenagers, uh, and I look at them and their friends, and they're never going to watch an NBA game. Like they're never going yeah. to watch a two and a half hour game with commercials. And like anybody whose strategy is to like get a 0.1% increase in how many people watch, like you're done. Like, I, I, mean, I don't know what you're not done this decade, but you're done soon. And um, it's not going to work that way. It pro- you know, there are 50 other things that are promising um, and you can't bet on all 50. So you have to pick carefully. Right. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the victors, well, here's what's going to happen, right. Is really smart people will place a few bets here and there. And then the really deep pockets will come and just overwhelm the two yep. channels that work out of those 50. Right. And, um, but it, it's very expensive to keep playing catch up like this, right? I feel like it, we could be so much smarter. If, it's, it, honestly, it's just like basketball with advanced analytics, and everyone's like, you know, 15 years ago, like three pointers are for losers. And it's like now, it's like every <laughs> single team takes way more than the Phoenix Suns ever did. And it's the only way you can possibly win. It's like, well, that was an expensive 15 years for everybody who just didn't, right? Like, like what a bunch of idiots, right? Like it was pretty clear. So I feel like the, the leadership of the future to me is the one who can like, 
most accurately pivot to the new data as it comes in, right? Like when can you decide like, oh, look, we need, we need everyone in America to wear masks, right? Like how quickly can you pivot to like what we're learning on the fly and not fall for dumb stuff, right? Like yeah. that's leadership now. And it's hard. It's really hard, but you can't just do it the way you always did it. Like that yeah. is the, that's the only super dumb approach. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Fire the grill and fire up the party. Get the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. Go from low and slow on smoke boost mode at 180 degrees all the way to high heat sear at 600 degrees, a much bigger range than most grills. It's got a full grate sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Utilize the smoke boost setting to intensify that smoky flavor. Direct flame cooking creates searing, crisping, and browning. Food will look as good as it tastes. This grill is hot in 15 minutes and cleanup is easy. You'll cook on two levels at the same time so you can make enough for everyone. Then clean up quick with the pull and clean grease and ash management system at the front of the grill. Cook confidently with intuitive digital controls at the grill and enjoy the sleek, easy-to-use surface. You can also add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert to up your game. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I guess we can wrap up with like, you know, when you're thinking big picture, you zoom out on the NBA of what it is in 2021. You said kids won't watch a game. Henry, a Hawks Sixers the other night, uh, game two. 
as soon as Shake Milton goes bananas, I'm like, all right, let me fire up a quick game of FIFA real quick before jazz, um, before the jazz game starts against the Clippers. And I just like stop watching. And you're right. I can't get my young kids to watch more than like a quarter of a Lakers game. Now, if we go to it, that's different. But when you zoom out on the league, like what can the NBA do? Or is just, this is the new normal. People are not going to watch regular season games. Let's shorten the season. Let's try this mid-season tournament. Let's tinker before we quickly become extinct the way other sports kind of are starting to feel. There's an like one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen on this topic was my friend Kevin Arnovitz gave a talk at the MIT Sloan Sports LA's conference a couple of years ago where he talked about how like prestige TV had become like a six episode season. Um, and I think the NBA has a choice. Like, is it going to become like a premium product? Like NFL plays 16 times a year where, you know, what you're trying to create is absolute magic. So now you want LeBron rested and jumping his absolute highest and flying like Michael Jordan over people. Like, or do you want LeBron to show up in your arena and sell incrementally half million dollars more in beer because he's famous and you're going to grind him down four times a week and have a season end early, right? Like, I think you have to decide if you're a national TV popular product, you need these players rested and more games doesn't help because it makes each one worth less, right? Yeah. It makes the randomness down to nil. And NFL looks exciting because it is determined on the bounce of an oblong ball, right? That makes must watch TV, right? Whereas, whereas the NBA is just like, Oh, they lost this one. They'll win the next one or the next one or whatever. And it's fine. Um, so I think, I think there's a choice where you could make all these reforms. It could widen the court and um, oh. have fewer games and on and on. And make the game like maximum fun to watch, which makes maximum quality highlights on cell phones in China, which is like the market that probably matters most in the future, right? Um, or you can make it uh, like it is now, where we're just you know trying to get owners a slightly better regional sports deal, and uh, we don't really care how much we grind LeBron to a pulp. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with almost all that. Um, I, I I don't know though, Henry. How feasible is it though? that they decide to go through door number two or the mystery door where they say, you know what? Uh, you know, the players don't really care about the regular season. Um, the coaches are resting guys. Uh, the analytics teams are saying more rest. Why are we working them to the bone during the regular season? And now in the playoffs, Anthony Davis is hurt. Um, uh, who, Jamal Murray's out. You, you've got all, so many start Jamal, uh, James Harden. Sorry. You go on down the list, like almost every team in the playoffs I think except for the Hawks and Clippers, has been significantly impacted by injury. Like, can you just try to shorten to 72 games or do the billionaires then step up and say, no, 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 no. I'm not missing out on that revenue of those extra five home games um, simply because I want more money. Who who wins that discussion? The billionaires or the smart people? Well, so it's a bet on the known versus the unknown, right? Like the known is the extra half million you get. I mean, it really does come down to like LeBron and Steph. So... National TV revenue is distributed and that's done and there's nothing worth fighting for. So all the employees who work for the team, who try to make money, all the business staff, they're just fighting over like in arena revenue, in arena signage, parking revenues, like their whole ethos is this very small part of the pie. Right. Mm. And but so they see a real victory in when they finally get LeBron to come to Milwaukee. Right. That's a night that they make an extra million dollars in selling yeah. beer and parking, this kind of stuff, right? That's their business view, right? That's what they're after. So you can let them carry the day if you want, but it's a giant waste of LeBron, right? Like, like he's literally out because of that right now. 
And like, well, that's stupid because now ESPN and Turner are losing out on LeBron all playoffs long because yeah. they got their million dollars in beer sales in, in, in January. Um, so I, to me, like, we don't know what the other thing, like, this is what Kevin's presentation is about. Let him articulate it better than me. Yeah, but I'm going to go watch uh, it. But, you know, like is HBO going to be okay? Like, I think so. Like, but they don't have 1,230 games a year. Like you don't have to, ha there's nowhere it says you have to have that. You just have to have a, a product that works in the modern media environment. And you know, the NFL is okay. I think there's an opportunity for basketball to be more like that. Do you remember when Michael Jordan went away and the ratings went like fell fell off a cliff to the point Jordan had to come back with the Wizards to try to help the league and they had good young and and it's funny because people always say oh well Jordan was gone well no they had a lot of good young players Allen Iverson was in the league Kobe and Shaq were in the league like there was big time stars but Jordan went away and he was the biggest draw I mean you've seen the data Henry LeBron James is the biggest draw I mean Steph Curry's right there with him. Well, when LeBron's gone in two or three years, this whole can Giannis and Devin Booker and uh, Luka Doncic carry the league? Henry, I think we both know that the answer is no, right? Probably. I mean, like oh, the, the last time I had optimism, really good data, optimism. No, I mean, like, like I think New York just learned the name Trey Young, right? Like <laughs> that happened. That's an accomplishment, right? That's a thing. Um, he's never going to be forgotten now, right? Um, Luca is probably on his way to being well. So uh, we had all this data at ESPN and basically like, you know, in terms of your ability to compel someone to like click on an article or, or watch a show. Um, it's like LeBron, Kobe, Steph, a giant drop. And then like the Lakers and the Knicks mm. and then way down. And then by the time you get to like Donovan Mitchell, like, like doesn't sell one ticket, which is, you know, we can fight about this, but like the people around Donovan Mitchell are like, no, we can't give you access. It's like, give me a break. Like, like, like it's not. <laughs> Like, <laughs> can I interview Kevin Donovan? Durant? No, 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 you can't. Really? <laughs> Kevin Durant starred in a Hollywood movie, a big budget Hollywood movie, and nobody went to watch it. Like most of these players That's are not right. stars in the sense of the word star, right? Like they don't make people buy tickets. Um, just those few. So the question is like, you know, can we get that level of enthusiasm out of Joel Embiid or Trey Young or Damian Lillard or whatever? And, you know, Probably not, but you know, once Zion Williamson will be the interesting test case. Um, because he, I don't know about you, but I don't see the personality there. LeBron took on the league, like it's going to be on my shoulders, I'm going to be the villain, I'm going to Miami, I'm doing my thing. I, 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 again, we've gone way too long. I know you got stuff to do, Henry, but if Zion Williamson were to reject the rookie extension, nobody's ever done it, no like high pick, if he did that. I think that would be enormously great for the NBA. Now, a lot of fans on Twitter will say, oh, that's stupid. That would be horrible. Small market, blah, blah, blah. But it would, would it not be in the same vein as what LeBron did? I know he stuck around Cleveland longer, but Zion is a guy who people are tuning on, turn, turning on the TV to watch, right? The NBA seems to think so, right? And um, I think John Morant has that kind of infectious game. I think if he were, you know, on national TV all the time, people would love him. And, and, you, know, you mentioned Allen Iverson as like a post Jordan potential, but like, let it's certainly in that case, I was there. I covered that team. Like America's kind of racist and they didn't really want Allen Iverson, right? Like the NBA mm. itself airbrushes tattoos off his body on the cover of the magazine. Right. And um, so that's where I say, Luca is an interesting potential star. Like Luca, Luca doesn't give a crap. Shoots from everywhere is like this total gunslinger. And I mean, I hate that this matters, but Texas is like, 
oh, hell yeah, give me that guy, right? Um, so I feel like there's like a, I don't know exactly what the NBA looks like in two, three, four years, but I think there's more young talent now than any time ever. And, you know, more players who are might make an amazing highlight and that matters. All right. He is Henry Abbott, uh, true hoop, uh, internet 1.0 pioneer. Uh, I don't know. I, I was going to call him, um, um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Um, the guy who pisses off billionaires. I was trying to say that eloquently and oh, I did yeah, not have that's it. me. Mm-hmm. That's you. Same yeah, one. Yeah. Congrats on all your success, Henry. Great stuff. Had a thank lot of you. fun and, uh, keep up the good work. All right. Thank you, Jason. All right. I'm Katia Adler, host of the global story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.